Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Jim. Staying inside, avoiding the Canadian wildfire smoke. I hope everyone out there is safe. It's it's kind of no joke, right? Like, I can smell it and feel it outside. It is crazy, and it, it, it's incredible. We're both in Pennsylvania, different locations, but fires from Canada uh, affecting us here, it's wild. As you said, let's hope all our listeners are staying safe, staying inside, and listening to us. What better way to uh, deal with your time? Okay, Andy, first of all, we're going to start with a new segment, but first of all, I'm also going to point out we're recording this prior to James Franklin meeting with the media, the Big Ten coming out with their schedule for 24-25, so don't worry. We'll hit all that information come Monday with Dustin, but let's get to some of the things that took place this week. Uh, one of my favorite guys that I wanted to see, Andy, in this incoming freshman class was Mega Barnwell. Big kid who was going to start out as a tight end. He's no longer on the roster. Uh, not a surprise No reason was, that no reason was given for right. this. Uh, my take on it, you know, a lot of different rumors out there. I don't want to get into those, but... Sometimes college football just isn't for everybody. Yeah, and sometimes it just takes more time, right? Like he was an early enrollee, got through a semester, went through spring ball, did work with the tight ends, but you kind of never knew where he would fit or where he would end up on a college field if he had stayed at Penn State. Would he have transferred to be, you know, to be an offensive lineman? Would he have transitioned to become a defensive lineman? Would he have stayed a tight end? It would have been an interesting work in progress simply because of his size. He was, he was just huge, but I mean, he's, is he going to go in the transfer portal? Is he done with college football completely that it's not really clear. The bottom line is he is no longer on Penn state's roster. So that clears up a spot for them in terms of their, you know, total numbers and they need to do a little work on that. And and that's true. It's it's important to point out that the important number is the 85 and by all accounts, they're at 87 right now. So there will be a little more trimming going on between now and August. At least a couple more players have to come off the roster for them to get down to uh, the 85. Also in the news this week, we covered it quite extensively with uh, T. Frank. He gave us scouting reports, but three new players made their way onto the Penn State recruiting commitments, an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, and one of those tweeners on defense that Penn State seems to like so much, safety slash linebacker. All three came in last Sunday, Andy. And is this just a testament to James Franklin always saying, we got to get these kids on campus. And these were three visitors from last week. 
And when someone makes a visit to Penn State, they're typically overwhelmed. Yeah, they have a – James has it down to a it, – it's a science. Let's just put it – you know, he has a process and a science, and it works, and he's confident in, in saying that, you know, once – I just want to get them on campus and get them in front of everybody, including me. And, and that is important. You know, three of them, they have room in this class. Uh, they still have room in this class. They still have some needs. I think we're going to talk about that in quarter four. Um, I think Dewan Lane, the, the tweener, the, the safety linebacker, the four-star, he's the highlight of this latest haul. Um, he's an exceptional track athlete as well. So you kind of like those guys that are, you know, multiple sports at a really high level. And he just doesn't run track. He's exceptional at it. He's he's a 100-200 sprinter. He's an anchor for the Gilman School relay teams. You know, safety's a full house right now. I think, you know, after they finish getting the latest 2023 you know, class on campus and finish that all the arrivals for that year shortly, I think they'll have like 14 or 15 you know, at the quote-unquote safety position. Obviously, we know several of those are tweeners, but that is a very full house right now. But, you know, it is a position of high profile. It has emerged at Penn State, so it's going to, no matter how crowded it is, it's still going to attract high-end players, and and he is one of them. I, I think he's immediately one of the top five or six guys in this class right now. Andy. And Andy, and I always put this out there when we talk about this defense. If you've got talent, they'll find a way to get you on the field. And Very valuable. It, it's getting closer and closer to positionless defense because you don't know where these players will line up. You could be, you know, a cornerback and still line up at any th- of the three levels. It's it's interesting to watch. It's fun to watch. I imagine it's a lot of fun for these uh, players to play it. Um, Another news item that came out earlier this week, Andy, were the College Football Hall of Fame nominees. And three Penn Staters were nominated. Some, you know, very familiar names. Running backs, Kajana Carter and DJ Dozier. And linebacker, Paul Puzlesny. I want to give just real quick... Um, some stats for you on each one of the players. DJ Dozier rushed, played four years and was a contributor all four years, rushed for a total of over 3,200 yards during his Penn State career with an average per carry of 5.7 yards. Um, Kajana Carter played very little in 92 in 93 and 94, had over 1,000 yards, was part of that incredible 94 undefeated team, over 2,800 yards in those two big seasons. He averaged 7.2 yards per carry, Andy. Incredible. And Paul Puzlesny, 05, 06. Each year, he had 116 tackles. Okay, so over two-year span, 232 tackles. Three really good players, Andy. Three really good players. It, it's tough at the College Football Hall of Fame. Like, I think DJ Dozer was a massive contributor. He was a consensus All-American and a 
He was key to that 12-0 86 national championship team that year. But I just don't think he has a resume that's college football Hall of Fame worthy. Kajana Carter, I think, is a true tweener, right? Like, he was a Heisman runner-up. He's got good numbers. I definitely think he's a tweener and maybe down the line, possibly. I think Paul Puzlesny is a college football Hall of Famer. Two-time All-American. He's only one of two, uh, one of two players to win the Big Narc Award for the best defensive player in college football twice. He won the Buckus Award in 2005. You ran, ran off his numbers. I think Paul Puzlesny is a college football Hall of Famer. Um, I'm not sure about the other two based on, you know, having some knowledge of the college football hall of fame. I think DJ Joser is a really good player who will always be on the outside. And I think Kajana Carter's a tweener, but in my opinion, Paul Puzlesny is a college football hall of famer might not be on his first ballot, but I definitely think he belongs. I don't, I'm not as familiar as you are with the college football hall of fame and what the standards are, but I just know that 94 Penn State team undefeated. I'm not alone in saying one of my all-time favorite Penn State teams, an offense that was incredible. But that's the guy during that year averaged 7.8 yards a carry. If he's not a college football Hall of Famer, I'm not sure who is. But anyway, one more topic for us, uh, Andy, something we've hit on before. Just want to point out, we've talked about scheduling, and the teams now expanding the Big Ten, the uh, Southeast Conference. They're both probably going to get rid of divisions. As I said, probably our listeners will already know what's going on with the Big Ten scheduling. But there will be nine, each team will have nine conference games. The Southeast Conference, in their infinite wisdom, they came out with just their schedule for the 2024 year. And guess what? They're sticking with eight conference games. And it, oh, yeah. I, I know I why they're you, doing Andy. it. You know, here, here's – let me – okay, you told me. You did, Andy. But let's let's be candid here. Let's talk about why they're doing it. And there, there's two reasons. First and foremost, it's about money. Sure. They're trying to extract more money from ESPN, okay, for playing nine conference games. So far, ESPN hasn't capitulated, so it's it's a staring contest. They're going to hold out waiting for ESPN to offer more money. The other thing is we're going to a 12-team playoff. They want to see if it's to their advantage or disadvantage to only play eight conference games. If they get burned by it, guess what? they'll end up with a nine-game schedule. And I just want to real quick throw out the quote from their commissioner. The one-year schedule, it'll provide a longer on-ramp to manage scheduling around existing non-conference commitments, provide additional info to understand the impact of expanded college football playoffs, and engage with our media partners to determine the appropriate long-term planning for scheduling. Like I said, bottom line, is it going to hurt us to make the playoffs? And is there a way we could get more money out of ESPN? That's what he's saying. Yeah, it's tough. The ESPN part is tough because right now that's a little bit trying to squeeze water out of a stone. Um, ESPN has had to sort of, and, you know, ABC, they've had to sort of quell a little bit how much they 
you know, spending college football and everyone when everyone else is upping it. But basically, the for me, the bottom line is the SEC is always going to protect the top end of the SEC, and they want more information. Right now, the eight game schedule isn't hurting them. Does it hurt them as they look at a twelve? team playoff they're going to wait and see they're not going to try and be proactive they're going to be reactive because they believe they're better than anybody else and that's just the way they think and that's the way they're going to continue to operate i'll tell you what andy alabama georgia at the very top they're going to make the playoffs no matter what especially with a 12 team playoff what's going to be interesting to see is is the next level tennessee florida lsu if one of them gets burned because of their schedule not being uh, strong enough, then you'll see them switch to nine games. That's it for quarter number one. Stick around. Lots more to talk about. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. Quarter number four. Where am I going, Andy? It's quarter number two. See, I'm trying to rush through this, I guess. It's quarter number two. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galante. Andy, one of my favorite topics, and we hit this every year, uh, Bud Elliott, college football uh, writer, came up several years ago with something he calls the blue chip ratio. Very simply, it's saying 
if you're going to have a chance to win a national championship, you better have more blue chip recruits over the previous four years than non-blue chippers. He defines blue chipper as four or five stars. And he comes out with it every year. And there's typically around 12, 13 teams who fit that criteria. Uh, this year, he did it. A couple more teams uh, reached that level. There's actually 15 teams who have uh, made that uh, blue chip ratio of over 50%. Now, obviously, since there's 15 teams, if you have this positive blue chip ratio, it doesn't guarantee you're going to win a national championship or even make the playoffs. But what he's saying is if you don't have this, you're guaranteed not to win the national championship. And I'm going to post uh, the this information on our uh, on our app and on our website. But Andy, you have a copy of it. What's the first thing that sticks out to you when you take a look at this? So he did it in percentages, and it's over a four year period, which I like. I like a lot because that's more of uh, a me- uh, an honest measurement in terms of your overall recruiting. It's just, you know, it's not a one-year wonder or two-year hot streak. Um, what strikes me is, first that struck me was Texas A&M is fourth at, you know, 73% of the players that they've signed over the last four years. So it struck me as, wow, Texas A&M is fourth. That seems like a high number based on their on-field. So basically nobody does less with more than Texas A&M. That's the first thing that struck me was that Texas A&M doesn't really do much for being that high up with Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia being the three schools ahead of them. Hello, there's plenty that you can look over the last three to four years and say, yep, they've gotten some good mileage out of that recruiting and in terms of Texas A&M you look at it and go they should be down in the they should be down in the 50s or maybe even not on this list other than the fact that they're recruiting at this level because their production on the field isn't equaling that anywhere close so that gap really struck me first of all I'll tell you it's amazing to me as you pointed out the top teams, when you have a Texas A&M up there, and the performance doesn't match it. There's a couple other teams that you could mention in here. Texas, Auburn are on this list and certainly underperform. What strikes me, Andy, is we look at this and think, okay, these should be the elite teams. And that the thinking is, okay, top 15, they're all probably fairly close. What's fascinating to me is the disparity within this list itself. Right. Alabama is at 90%. Penn State is 13th among this group. It's at 55%. Let me give you that again. 90% blue chip for Alabama, 55 for Penn State. Let's throw in Ohio State. Ohio State's at 85%. So it's fascinating to me. Andy, where a lot of fans think Penn State, we should be right there with Ohio State on the field. How come we're not? How come we don't beat them half the time? I think there's the answer. Ohio State starts out with just playing a lot more talent than Penn State has. 
So the interesting part of that, it's, it is correct analysis. So here's the interesting part of it. And this is over the last four years. Michigan is right behind Penn State on this list at 14th, at 54%. They're 31 points, percentage points, behind Ohio State over the last four years in terms of, you know, blue chip ratio. In other words, that's a big gap. Michigan, you could make a good argument, is equally performing and possibly outperforming Ohio State on the field despite that gap. That is one of the, another stark thing that jumped out to me was Michigan's down this list. I mean, they're even behind like Oklahoma and Oregon and the and Miami, which just says a little bit about Florida, but Michigan's way down and they're at least at a very minimum performing at an equally high level as Ohio State and possibly outperforming them. That is stunning. It, it really is, Andy. And I think that as much as Jim Harbaugh is the whipping boy from Penn State fans, and it's amazing that even at Michigan itself, two years ago, they were ready to run this guy out of town. And in two years, and even more specifically with two games, <laughs> beating Ohio State twice, he has completely and totally changed the narrative, hasn't he? Yeah, and you had to always forget, no matter what you think of Jim Harbaugh, right? And this is sort of Jim Harbaugh in a nutshell. At the end of the day, based on his previous college coaching record and his NFL coaching prowess, the guy can flat-out coach, right? Like, he's really good at coaching. And it just took him some time at his alma mater to sort of find how he could do it there his way. And he was willing to lose his job over it. I think that the two have sort of matched up more recently where I don't think he needs to be recruiting at the 85% because he's such a good football coach and he's very patient and committed to what he believes is his way of doing it. And I think that has gotten a little bit lost in sort of the personality of Jim Harbaugh is that don't do not forget that this guy is an exceptional football mind and football coach. And I think that has gotten a little lost and I think it's starting to turn and show its head a little bit more, especially with the staff he's able to assemble around him. He's a really good football coach. At Ohio State, when you're running at 85% blue chippers, you don't need necessarily an elite football coach. You need somebody who's not going to ruin that type of recruiting. Is Day that guy? I don't know. He's a game manager as a coach, but he's not able to get a little bit more out of that high-end talent. Michigan is doing that, and that is pure coaching. That is pure coaching at its core to me, is doing more with less, a little bit less like Harbaugh's doing. Look, Ohio State's going to win 10 or 11 games every time recruiting that level of blue chippers. It's just a natural cause of consequence. They're just getting better players than almost anybody. So they're naturally going to win 10 or 11 games. Are they able to do more with less at the next level when the playing field is level? 
They're not. And Michigan is proving that it can. At the top end, Andy, first of all, Alabama and Ohio State, every year you see the recruiting rankings, they're at the very, very top. How does this, forget the recruiting aspect of it, which obviously is probably the most important part of college coaching. Ryan Day inherited a job where that was already in place, that whole recruiting process. And if anything, he's probably made it a little bit better. But he's never won a national championship. Alabama and Nick Saban, we know they've won several national championships. Didn't make the playoffs last year. How does looking at these numbers alter how you think about those guys as coaches on the field? Not set recruiting aside. If Alabama has 90% blue chip ratio, is there any excuse for them not to make the playoffs, even when it's a four-team playoff? And Ohio State, is there any excuse for them to have never won a national championship uh, under Ryan Day? Right, under Ryan Day. So when it comes to Nick Saban, the proof's in the pudding. Them missing the college football playoffs last year, in his mind, they didn't meet expectations, right? I don't know that Ryan Day sort of has that same mindset of they've got to, they've got that sort of beat Michigan and win the Big Ten, and if you make the college football playoffs, it'd be good to win a game, right? I mean, that's where you're at when you're at Ohio State. That is not where you're at at Alabama. And I look one step below at Georgia, just below Alabama and Ohio State, and I think and the number of players they're sending to the NFL, yeah, their blue chip ratio is high, but I would argue that of any team on this list, they're probably their talent development is probably ahead of anybody else in terms of making it show up on the field at the college level and transitioning into it, especially in high-end draft picks at the next level. Right now, the last three years, I don't think anybody's doing it better. And they're doing it on both fronts. So, yeah, Ohio State's sending guys to the NFL, but on the field, they are definitely falling short of that number. I don't think Alabama is. I really don't. I think I think you can expect Alabama to be right back in the 14 mix this year. You, you just should, based on the way they finish, what they have, and how they recruit. All three of them, plus Nick Saban's their coach. Hello? They're, they're going to be part of the conversation no matter what. Ohio State has a harder time being part of that conversation on a more consistent basis. How do you judge James Franklin in his coaching now seeing it as his blue chip ratio ranks about 13th in the country? Yeah, that's a good question. I see it as, um, I see him as underperforming for a time period and now on the verge of possibly overperforming. They've got to get over the Ohio State-Michigan hump. Everybody knows that. I'm not saying anything new. I hate to beat the drum, but that's it. You've got to get over that Michigan and Ohio State hump and find a way to win a Big Ten championship and or possibly be relevant in the college football playoff conversation at the next level. Very good, Andy. That is going to be it. As I said, I'm going to post uh, this blue chip ratio for all of you to take a look at. A lot of interesting stuff. 
We didn't have time, Andy, even talk about it. How would the transfer portal affect this? The answer is not a whole lot. Stick around. Next segment, we're going to ask Andy. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. Brought to you by our good friends at 409TailgateClub.com. You know what that means, quarter three. We are going to take your questions and we're going to ask Andy. If you want to submit your question, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Andy button. And at the end of the segment, Andy is going to pick out the best question. And whoever sent us the best question is going to win the prize package from 409tailgateclub.com including their fantastic, incredible coffee barbecue rubs. Andrew P., are you ready for the questions? Let's do it, Jimmy. I'm ready. All right. Let's start with John in Kingston. He says, right now Penn State has two studs at running back in Singleton and Allen. They had great one-two punches before with Mitchell Harris, Carter, Archie. How would you rate the top five running back combos of all time? Andy, I'm not going to ask you to rate the top five. How about just the, the top one? You don't have these questions ahead of time like I do. I'm going to let you think about it for a minute. I'm going to go um, with Lydell Mitchell and Franco Harris, and I know that's many, many years ago. 
Yep. And I'm probably biased a little bit on that one because of what they did in the NFL. Okay. Correct. They this were is... stars in the NFL. Yep. And they played as a combo uh, at Penn State. I, I I would rate them as the best. How about you? So in their roles of what they were asked to do and how Penn State ran its offense under Joe Paterno back then, I'd say they were they got the the most they were the they were the most quality duo in terms of at the college level and at the next level. Were they the most dynamic college duo? No. But were they the two best talents that played together across the board when you look at college and NFL? I would have to agree with you and and say yes. The the dynamic duo, this one is still a work in progress, so I don't think the new the these two young guns count yet, although they're off to a heck of a good start. Um in terms of a one-two punch that was impactful, that Carter and Archie combo was just I think Mike Archie was undervalued to a degree, in my opinion, just because of the big shadow that his seven point whatever yards per carry you mentioned earlier about Kajana Carter brought to the table, but as a duo and as a functional duo and actually became the identity of, of that offense to a degree, those two, man, were they good. That, that duo really, really um, stands out to me just because of the value that they brought together and they were different. Well, I, Andy, I'd have to go look at the numbers, what they did in one year. One of the things you have to be careful of is I've seen people talk about, oh, this duo right now, it reminds them of Barkley and Miles Sanders. Well, what you got to remember, when Barkley and Sanders played together, Barkley got the vast majority of carries. It wasn't until Barkley left that we saw that from Sanders. So that's one of the things you got to be careful on these combos it's what Correct. did they do together? Frank Correct. O'Harris, Lydell Mitchell did it together. And as far as being dynamic, offenses back then were not as dynamic as they were afterwards, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later. It was a different game back then. So I think that has to be part of the equation. Uh, let's go to Kent in Raleigh, North Carolina. He says, hey, guys, thanks so much for all your insight. You're the go-to podcast for Penn State football. Thank you, Kent. Kent says, I'm curious to your opinion that Penn State, on the Penn State recruiting front, since the college football playoffs are expanding to 12, do you think um, that that will balance the playing field for top players? It seems previously, if you were a five-star guy, you went to those top three or four teams. Or is it more about NIL? So, Andy, we were talking about this with the blue chip ratio. 12-team playoff starting next year. Will that have any effect on recruiting? Wow. So that's a really good question, Kent. I I don't think the NIL part can be – I don't feel comfortable and I don't think there's enough impact time to know what the – you know, to, to have an opinion on that in terms of what NIL brings to the table. I mean, we looked at a blue chip list in quarter number two that was 16 teams, all above 50% blue chips over a four-year period. I think the college football playoffs could change the teams, but I don't 
necessarily think it changes the ratios, if you know what I mean, Jimmy. I mean, in in the end, it's about, you know, it will help those teams maybe just a little bit, but I don't think a lot that make it. But at the end of the day, it's still who made it to the semis and who played in the championship game. And I don't know if that looks any different with a 12-team playoff field. You know what I mean? So that's the way I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking it might – provide like does for Penn State for example in a 12 team playoff do you think they get a bump above their 55% over a four year period because they made the college football playoffs once or twice i don't think so I, I, now if well, they if they I, make the final I, or I, win it that's different i i don't think it will hurt them and i think it could right. um, help out you know just exposure it was like playing in the rose bowl i think was helpful to them a year ago and making the playoffs, there will be that exposure. But I think the idea that Alabama, Ohio State won't be still an elite recruiting machine, that's not going to happen. They're still going to get more than their fair share. The fact that they are so successful will also mean they'll get enough NIL money. What I, Where I do think... I don't think NIL will affect an Ohio State or an Alabama. How could it? I mean, they're already at the top of the mountain. Right. What I think could conceivably happen is, will there be some school will, where there'll be some very rich alumni who says, we want our school to take the next step? I read an interesting article or comment about BYU saying that they had a lot of very rich uh businesses that are associated with the school, with the Church of Latter-day Saints. And if they so chose to spend a lot of money, they could have an effect there. Now, I just bring that up as an example of a school that's not one of the elites, but could they be helped if they have uh, some big, big money behind them with NIL? Ultimately, Kent, I think NIL might have more effect than the fact that you're expanding the playoffs to 12. Okay, let's go to Joe and Elizabeth, who says, with reference to the third quarter question on your um, earlier show regarding who's Penn State's best position coach, my question is this. If you were a newly hired head coach, um, what position coach would you deem as your highest priority? In today's game, it has to be your offensive coordinator. No, no, not coordinator, position coach. Oh, position coach, not coordinator. See, I count coordinators as position coaches. But, yeah, you're right. You're, uh, um, uh, offensive line coach. I just uh, – offensive line coach. It, it, it can't it, – there's so much upside in that position coach. And for me, it's the offensive line coach. Who is my guy? Who is my guy and who do I want and who do I think can coach – you know, what we already have and can get what we need. That's, that is my number one priority. If I'm a newly hired head coach is the offensive line coach. I, I think that has to be, and I intentionally, I didn't read the last portion of his question where he, he named offensive line as his choice and yeah. to Joe, to make it unanimous. I agree. I think offensive line is where coaching has the most effect. You could possibly say the quarterback coach, but he's typically the offensive coordinator anyway. The other positions, I think, are more about out-and-out talent. 
offensive line, I think, has a lot to do with development and coaching, and they have to work as a unit. All of that points towards coaching. So I think we're all in agreement there. Let's go to Brian in Georgia who says, if Penn State wins the Big Ten and makes the playoffs three or four times over the next decade, like Michigan did, but doesn't win a national championship, in your eyes, does that make them a successful program? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think. I don't think you can make it every year. I mean, look, Alabama didn't make it last year. Only one team is a national champion, and it takes a lot of components for that to come together. Um, yeah, no, I would. That's a good question. Um, what I view it as unsuccessful. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, it's the flip side of the coin. Like, is it successful or is it unsuccessful? You know, which one is it? And he asks if it's successful. And as I'm processing in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty, I I'd categorize that as successful. Yes. And I, I agree with you, Andy. And this goes a little bit back to our blue chip ratio question. I think Ryan Day, who made the playoffs last year, has made the playoffs consistently. But I think if he doesn't win a national championship, and I'm not even going to give him 10 years, I'm giving him the next three, four years. If he doesn't win a national championship, I think the Ohio State fans will say he was unsuccessful. And probably based on the amount of talent they're bringing in, that's the case. But I think here at Penn State, if you now even with the with the playoffs expanded to 12 teams, I expect Penn State to make the 12-team playoffs more than three or four times over the next decade. But I don't think it's required to win a national championship to consider it successful, Andy. Yeah, and, and, when you're ta- and if you think about it from the Ohio State perspective, and you said Brian Day's got three or four years, I don't think his runway's that long. I mean, that's, you know, if you just look at Penn State, the difference in the blue chip, is 30 percentage points over the last four years. That is a large gap. And in some respects, is has Ohio State been measurably more successful than Penn State? You know, I know Penn State had a couple down years, but are they generally more successful? I'm not sure because of, and, their, because of the expectations. And I will add this, Andy, with Ohio State, they lost to Michigan – two times in a row. They can't keep doing that. But the other part of this, the side of this coin is they make a long field goal at the end of the game against Georgia. We may be talking very differently about Ohio State. Andy, that's it for quarter number three. Stick around quarter four. Andy's going to name our winner. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. 
local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. And Andy, this time I mean it. It is truly quarter number four. He's Andy. I'm Jim. Andy, before we get to our quarter four topic, we need a winner from our Ask Andy segment. I thought they were good questions today. Who'd you have as our winner? Yeah, we only got to four of them, and that's a good number because that means each question was thought-provoking. But uh, Kent from Raleigh, North Carolina, yours was the top of my list this week. Very good. Kent, you are the winner, and the rest of you guys, you're all losers. <laughs> all right, Andy. <laughs> uh, no, that's that was a terrible thing for me to say. They were all actually very me. good. <laughs> they were good questions. How, how about that for a way of discouraging people who said questions? Right. Um, Do you want to kill the rabbit? <laughs> Please, people, send in your questions. I beg of you, please send in your questions, and Jim won't be such an idiot next time, I promise. All right, Andy, let's get to our quarter four topic, which I wanted to hit uh, you up on this. We mentioned earlier in our quarter one segment that the class of 24, the current recruiting class for Penn State, they are at 17. They picked up three commits uh, last weekend, which is fantastic. And my question is, where do they go from here? Now, one thing to understand, previously, you could only bring in 25 recruits per year. That right. rule has changed. The only number that matters is the 85, which is your total number. And this was brought on by the transfer portal. If, if you have a lot of players bail out on your team, you could be left without enough scholarship players if you're limited at 25. So Penn State will probably go beyond that 25, maybe 26, 27, or something like that, which gives them 10 more slots. Let me go over with you where they are as far as numbers of recruits at different positions. Um, offensive line, they seem to be in pretty good shape. They're at either five or six because one of the players listed as an athlete 
could very well end up there. One quarterback, two running backs, three cornerbacks, one safety, two linebackers, one tight end, and significantly only one defensive lineman and zero wide receivers. I think you start by saying they need wide receivers and defensive linemen yet. Well, I do think they need defensive linemen. Wide receivers, I'm just, I mean, are they going to get, they still have, what, eight to ten more spots? Are they going to probably get one or two? Yeah. But, I mean, the pipeline's pretty full right now, Jimmy. They got 12 on the roster currently with Dante Cephas still to come. That That's a very full position. They have a new wide receivers coach, so there's transition at that position, right? It continues. What does he want to recruit? I, I think it's a good spot for him because it's not like they're a little short in that room and he's got to sign a big class right away. So I think there's also transition at the defensive line position, Coach. We know that. So there's a transition going on there. What does he want? What does he need? What does he think is best? But I think they're clearly a little, a step behind at the defensive line position. I don't feel as though they're a step behind, even though they have zero wide receivers at the wide receiver position, but they definitely need, they definitely need some more at the defensive line position, both inside possibly your dream guy, always looking for that, but more so I think on the edge is what they're going to be focused on and and where they'll be looking for more help sooner than later. I think the defensive line will be a priority coming down the stretch. I don't know that wide receiver fits that category for me. Andy, I couldn't disagree with you more on the wide receiver thoughts. And I think, yes, you know, just – in quantity, they they have 12 guys in the wide receiver room, but they're clearly unhappy with what they've got right now. That's why there was a change in the coach at wide receiver. You know, they have three guys listed as seniors at, in the wide receiver room um, who will they'll lose three at least. And I would not be surprised if we saw some transfer portal activity at the wide receiver position. I think, Andy, if it'd be different if they were really happy with what's going on there. But the fact is, it's obvious they are not. And so I think if they can, I, you said maybe they'll bring in one or two. I think they're going to bring in, you know, three of them, if not four of them, because it, in their minds, I think it, they look at it as a position of need. Uh, defensive line, I think it's, it, it is also about numbers and bringing in more guys, and I think they're going to lose a lot of folks off the defensive line to graduation and moving on to the NFL also. Correct. Uh, so, so that's going to be obviously a point of emphasis. But Andy, I also think it's important, you know, I mentioned both wide receiver and defensive line being a bit behind the other positions as far as recruiting, but that should be no surprise. They've got new position coaches there. Correct. That's part of the equation, isn't it? That's such a big deal for me. I mean, so it's why I couldn't disagree with you more about you disagreeing with me in terms of the wide receiver position. It's not like they're... It's not like the wide receiver position, 
they're all mediocre players. There's some high-end recruits in there. I think they, I think they're looking, their development wasn't what they were looking for. I think that's what James saw more than anything that, okay, at the highest level, one receiver, maybe two at the most, there was some development, but there was not development at that second level on an annual basis. Like, you know, first year player to second year player, second year player to third year player. He wasn't seeing that type of development. And I think he wants to not in terms of not recruit receivers, but give this guy a little time to work with what he has, because it's a very, it's a full cupboard for him to work with and start his development process with. But yeah, they could end up with three or four receivers, but I think he's, they're not going to look, they're going to look for the right guys, not necessarily a quantity of guys. I think that's just my feeling, but the D line is, is definitely a a higher need in, in terms of, what I see just simply because of what you said, they're going to lose some guys very, very soon, sooner than later. And they need to sort of restock that. And the transition at the position coach is a, is a big deal. It's a very big deal because it's a transition for not only James at the position, but it's also a transition in recruiting and what kind of player you want to coach and have. And James knew that when he hired him, he knew that. Okay. Let's, uh, move on it's obvious you were wrong i'm right on the wide receiver front so let's let's move on uh-huh. and okay um <laughs> let's let's talk about some other positions uh, i find interesting at quarterback penn state brought in a, a quarterback my question is you think they're going to bring in a second one so i yeah that's a good question i think they will look they're always going to be looking for a second quarterback. I, I really think they, they they do. Do they need a second quarterback in this class? I don't know. You might disagree with me. I don't think so. I think it would be a luxury to get a second quarterback recruit in this class. They scrambled a little bit and got one, and that was a job well done. It really was. I, I think it was a job well done, and the guy they got, you know, I think they – they outkicked their coverage on that one and they had to scramble a little bit. So it was a job well done. I think they're in a position now that a second quarterback could be viewed as a luxury. That's just my opinion. So would, would, do they want one? Yes. Do they need one? I don't think so. Uh, Andy, I'm not, I, I'm probably, I, I understand and I'm not going to say the word need one, but, I am concerned, as I'm sure James Franklin is, that next year they will have four quarterbacks in the quarterback room. I think the preference would be five, but you add to it, there's always the possibility, especially at quarterback, of the transfer portal. We went through these numbers previously. I think over a seven-year span, they brought in nine quarterbacks, and only two of them finish their eligibility at Penn State. Correct. The rest, you know, hit the transfer portal. History tells us that they will be losing quarterbacks that way. That's what history tells us. I think I'm okay with the four quarterbacks in the room next year. My fear is them ending up with only three. Yeah, so I'm going to say something. I want to point, you're not wrong. You're 100% correct. I I am going to say right now, in the next three to five years, 
Penn State will have a transfer portal quarterback as their starting quarterback for one season. I don't know whether it's sooner or later. I'm just going to say sometime in the next five years, they will have a transfer portal quarterback being their starting quarterback. Um, Andy, I don't, boy, that's an interesting kind of a bold prediction. I'll, I'll, I'll file that under bold prediction and you're giving me reason to think about it. I, other schools I think have been quick to go to the transfer portal and do it successfully. I really don't think that is James Franklin's preference. We saw him really over the last, what is it, seven or eight years, have exactly two starting quarterbacks, Christ McSorley and Sean Clifford. Drew Aller, I I think he'll be a two-year starter before he moves on. But you don't think between now and that two years he'll bring someone in that he will consider the starter? I I don't because that person will have to sit until Drew Aller leaves, right? Like there has to be opportunity to be the starting quarterback. And under James Franklin, if Drew Aller performs well, he ain't going nowhere. He's the starting quarterback. So unless an injury removes him long, long term, like a something where he's going to be out an entire year and can't play that upcoming season, that's different. But if he's healthy and playing there's no room at the end and we've seen how hard it is to recruit uh, get a backup through the portal so i don't see it this this may be a longer discussion for another time andy but i see it as drew aller the starter in 23 and 24 i don't think there's any way he sticks around for 25 no Bo would have still two years of eligibility left grunkmeyer would have several years of eligibility left they'll both be in the program Hey, I just I don't see the transfer portal quarterback happening. Very bold, though, Andy. Unfortunately, we are out of time. That is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you tune in next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. 
you get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.